That's good. If you would, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 this morning. As the children are leaving, excited to go back. To whatever they call it back there. Children's church. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Find your way there. Now, you probably heard the news about uh, DeMar Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills Safety, who made national news after suffering a heart attack and nearly died. Now, everybody in the country was taken back about that event as it made national news. There's certain hope and prayers that he would survive and be able to return to living a normal life, perhaps not playing football, but the ability at least to live an independent, productive uh, life as a citizen. Something we may not have thought about, though, is this. DeMar has been put on a national pedestal with the microphone poised, ready to amplify and record whatever he has to say. DeMar may have an audience may have had an audience in Buffalo. I never knew who DeMar Hamlin was. Or perhaps some notoriety in the NFL in general. But now he is famous beyond all that. He is famous to the whole country, football fan or no football fan. What would he say? Would it be about family? Would it be about his teammates? Would it be about the football game? What if this was you? What would you do with this opportunity? Some would say that such an event in their lives would be termed a tragedy and the greatest difficulty they would face in life. For a Christian, this is perhaps the greatest opportunity we may have in our life to be a witness for Christ. But just being saved does not guarantee that we would take this opportunity and be a witness for Christ to a lost and dying world. You know, our testimony has the greatest potential when we are at our weakest. As being saved, we have potential. It's like a stick of dynamite with a wick. But if the wick is not lit, the dynamite is useless potential. But when the wick is lit, watch out. Today's message should speak to us about a few things. Do we have Christ living in us? Are we truly saved? How much potential for witness has been packed into us as a Christian? And are we ready to explode at any opportunity to witness in the difficulties of life where the explosion of the gospel is at its greatest. I hope to, as Brother Mike was teaching, to, to say what you would have liked to said. I think he just had only so, so many words, and I believe this message will help emphasize what he was trying to get across this morning. I'm going to preach a message this, mor this morning, and I'm going to have to write it up on the board because you're probably not familiar with the word of an in 
of an unbiased Christian, an unbiased Christian. Let's pray. Father, as we're looking into a new year, we need to reset our purpose, our vision, our understanding of what the Christian life is. This morning, may you reset that for us as we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And may you reset our lives to be lived for you. For we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. Starts out with, <clears throat> we then. And I, I just want to stop right there. So, <laughs> those two words are a conjunction. It puts two things together. It was puts the conjunction of what was said before and to what is going to be said after. So let's go back to see what was said before so that we may tie it to what will be said in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. So let's go back to chapter 5, beginning in verse uh, 17. Verse 17. It says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You know, it's an interesting thing that when you trust Christ as your Lord and Savior, the old life becomes dead. It does not disappear, but it's dead, meaning there is no life in it anymore. You know, you could take your dog that died and stuff him and play with it. That's a kind of a bad way maybe to look at things, but I think it makes a point. You can hang them on the wall to look at as fond memories. But it can no longer give you pleasure like it once did because it no, is no longer alive except for the attention that you give it. For the unsaved, their old life is still alive and they get pleasure from it. But a Christian who tries to live their old life is playing with a dead thing, a condemned thing, an embarrassing thing a guilty conscience thing. We are to crucify that old life and bury it in an unmarked grave. But every day, we wake up with that flesh. And then Paul states that it is our daily need to die. He said he needs to die daily. Galatians 2.20, on the positive side, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. If you can go back to the old life and in clear conscience justify it and get fulfillment from it, that's a telltale sign you are not saved. That's a dead thing. Ain't, ain't nothing in it. Nothing but misery and difficulty. Pleasure for a season, temporal. Verse 18 in chapter 5. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Here we see the new vision of the new life. Our old life, what the Bible calls the old man, sought our will and our pleasure and our ideals. 
But the new man has a brand new outlook and goal. It is to reconcile the world to Christ. To get the gospel out to a lost and dying world. To wit, verse 19, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, oh, hallelujah, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Paul is telling us that Christ is not here in the flesh anymore to tell others how to be reconciled to his Father, but we are made Christ's ambassadors in his place. It is our job to take God's word to the world. Verse 21, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We clearly see the way of reconciliation was through Christ alone. He took our sins upon him so that we'd no longer be naked, ashamed, and condemned before God, but rather clothed with Christ's righteousness, which is acceptable to God. We are to preach Christ alone for salvation. 2 Corinthians 6.1. Now, we'll begin in our text. We then, as workers together with Him, He says, and I've said this before, but I'll say it again, we all work together. There's nobody more important than any other in the work of Christ. We each have a unique and equally important role in getting the gospel out. There's only one way to get it out. Together. Together we'll do it. And together, I don't know if you noticed it, it says with Him. Did you notice who works alongside us? Jesus Christ is working alongside us together to get His word out. And it says, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. Now what is that? What is the receiving the grace of God in vain? It is living carnally. Living like the rest of the world with your focus on achieving satisfaction by the things of the world. It can be trying to live a hybrid life. Some of God and some of the world, you know, kind of just in that nice balance, you know. Living for self and having a form of godliness. It's called religion and the Pharisees were masters of it and it was witnessed by trying to justify yourself by God, before God, by works and by the law. This is corrupted, dead, powerless vision. All this is, I believe Brother Mike was using this word, is frustration and vanity to the grace of our God. Galatians 2.21 says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Verse 2, he said, for he, for he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and the day of salvation have I succored thee, or helped thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. The time of salvation, folks, is now. The moment. 
The time to live for God is now, making decisions for God. Whether it is to get saved, or whether it is time to confess sins of commission, or time to repent of your sins of omission, and get on track, God does not say, now listen to this, God does not say, listen to what I say, think about it, and get back with me tomorrow on your decision. That is nothing of God. He convicts you. There's nothing to think about it. We need to be quick to acknowledge it and be obedient to it. The beauty of it is that forgiveness and restored relationship is as immediate as the obedience to it. Unlike mankind who takes his time to think about whether he will accept someone's apology, God's a little different. Let me read a psalm. Let this sink into your heart. Psalm 86.5 For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. God is right there. He doesn't take a day when your heart and when you say you're wrong and you come before him and you want to be right, right then it's made right. God's looking for it. He's ready. He's ready to forgive. Verse 3, giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. This would make a good mission statement, by the way, for any Christian. You know, mission statements, you know, they're, they're big in business. It's, it's really so it's like a brief statement so that you can generally know what you're about as a company. But I think it could be worded like this as well. Think about this. Nothing matters in life but the reputation of Jesus Christ to others. Now let me put some breaks in the title of our message. That will give clarity to the message because you've probably never heard of that word, have you? Let me write it a little different. Yeah, it was an unbiased Christian, an unbiased Christian. That's what we're going to talk about. And we're going to first talk about, that's, that's the three points of the message. In, verse 4. But in all things approving ourselves, as the ministers of God. In all things we are to prove to ourselves and to others that we are true ministers of the gospel. It's an all-inclusive statement, but listen to the following verses that will detail what some of the all is about. It says, in much patience. You know, this world is not a world of patience. And there's good reason. Logically, think about it. If you are unsaved, you have one life to live. That's it. Time is your enemy. When you are saved and you really understand it, time is your friend. It is what will get you out of this world of difficulty and into the world of eternal bliss. It's one thing to have patience. It's another thing to have much patience. The Christian rewards are beyond this life. And, this, and we are to exercise a lifetime of patience. Our whole life is about patience, the waiting upon God. 
says, in afflictions is the next one. 2 Timothy 3.12, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And we need to step out and not be afraid of retaliation against the gospel. Tim has been talking on Sunday evenings about the mission of Jonah, which in essence was to warn the Ninevites of judgment. You know, this is sometimes the point where we stop our witness. But we need to step out and say, hey, when it comes down to it, you need to know there's consequences. There's consequences to you not accepting Christ. There's consequences for you not living for God. I'll tell you what, that's going to (laughs) bring some persecution on us. People don't like to hear that, but they need to hear it. We do it out of love. We care for them, don't we? We don't want to see them go there. To preach against the liberal godless agenda, to call it out, it's going to bring affliction. But if we don't, it's going to eat us alive. Then it says in necessities. Philippians 4.12 says, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Sometimes we work to create security to avoid ever being in need. But this is somewhat of a false security and can lead to bad fruit. Ever have a beautiful, large, shiny apple? Tim, you, Tim loves apples, okay? If you want to do something for Tim, bring him a big old apple. So you have this big, shiny apple, and you bite into it, and then it's all mush. You ever done that? It's sometimes the result of an apple being flash frozen to preserve it. It could be pretty old, that apple. Preserve it for later eating. God intends for us to give what we have fresh. Sometimes it can be to the point that it produces necessities in our life. We're afraid to do that at times. But we could be producing some bad fruit. And then it says in distresses. 2 Corinthians 4.8 We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are not to get distressed in distressful situations. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? How do you do that? Through Christ, realizing he's in control. Verse 5 says, in stripes, in imprisonments, and tumults. Not too much physical beatings, jail sentences, and crazy, crazy rioting going on in this country for being a Christian. But in other countries, there is much of it. Though our country is relatively peaceful toward Christianity, persecution is getting stronger. The least we ought to do is pray for those who are persecuted. Do you do that? Pray for our children and teach them to stand strong in the midst of anger against their Lord. We need to be training them. I'm not sure what they're going to face, but we ought to teach them to stand in the face of it. Then it says in labors. You know, there's much work (coughs) serving the Lord. If it is not overwhelming at times in your life, (laughs) 
Perhaps you're shirking the opportunities to serve. It's a normal thing and a blessed thing to be entrenched in the work of the Lord. It really is. Is that your state or do you have the work of God in a well-controlled, convenient place? Is serving God the overflow of life after all your other goals are met? Then it says in watchings, you know, there is sleeplessness at times serving the Lord. We're talking about somebody who's not, who's living by the grace of God, not living in vanity. And there'll be sleeplessness at times. Many times God would call in the night's sleep to somebody. It happens to me all the time. Sometimes I wake up and sometimes I don't know what to think. And what I do is I pray for each one of you. I, that's my starting place. I just go right down the list. Just start praying for people. You know, the need for prayer doesn't always come and right in the middle of the day when you feel good. Then it says in fastings, oh boy. How many of you fast on a regular basis and give yourselves to prayer? A lot of quietness right there. Isn't there? Now, this is the end of the in part of the message. And there, did you notice there's not a pleasant subject in the matter? Anybody can shine when it's going easy. If you look at the Word of God, of living for God is about the supernatural. Anybody can do good and praise God when everything's are going well. This is all about when the difficulties come. Who is willing to shine in the difficulty? It depends on how you've built yourself as a Christian. Your greatest witness is, the, is strongest in your weakness. The early church knew the fellowship of the sufferings of Christ, and they displayed the right attitude resulting in the world being turned upside down for Christ. Acts 5.40, And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And what they do? And daily in the temple and every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. That motivated them. 2 Thessalonians 1 4, so that we ourselves glory in you and the churches of God for your patience and faith and all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffer. You know, I suppose Paul defined the proper view of the difficulties of this life when he understood why God did not take away his thorn in the flesh. 2 Corinthians 12.10 Therefore I take pleasures in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Now we move from the ends to the buys, and this is how we are to go about the Christian life. Verse 6, by pureness. James 3.17, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, 
gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and of good fruits. The first thing, it says, first, pure. No hypocrisy. Truthful. No adding of man's wisdom to it. It's pure. Then it says, by knowledge. Knowing your Bible. You well know it. The more you know the Word of God, the more confident you are in it, and the more motivated you are to use it. And then it says, by long-suffering. This is similar to patience, but goes beyond that, in that it is overcoming the hurt and pain and constant irritation that sometimes goes along with being patient with someone. It is long-suffering. Then it says, by kindness. Is there any harm in showing kindness, even in difficult situations? You can be firm. You can be even angry. But we are not to react in the flesh. We are to respond in a spirit of kindness. And even in the most difficult issues, there should always be an underlying layer of kindness. It is said of God in Luke chapter 6 that He is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. James 1.20 says, For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Then it says, this is another by, by the Holy Ghost. Everything we do that is godly is of the Holy Ghost. Apart from the Holy Spirit of God in us, there is, there is no good thing in us. It is everything is by the Holy Spirit of God. And then it says, by love and fame. This is beyond the strength and limitations of human love. It is unconditional love, and it is love that reaches even our enemies. And then it says in verse 7, by the word of truth, by the power of God. We must use the word of God if we are to realize the power of God. Man, we need, need to know. We're, we're working on memorizing some scriptures. I'm just praying that God will put it, put it in us. Uh, His Holy Spirit will work in us. But it's, it's really, when you talk about salvation, the reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation is God's Word and God's Holy Spirit coming together and working in somebody's life. We are to be ministers of that. This says, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. We are to walk upright and be clean in all our doings. Verse 8, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report as deceivers and yet true. We must be honorable, good, and true people. But we may get accused as being dishonorable, evil, and being deceivers. Didn't they do that to Jesus? But they had to accuse him falsely. And so it should be said of all of us that were accused falsely. Now we have gone from the ends of a Christian, the buys of a Christian, and then it jumps into the ases of a Christian. Now these are paradoxical paradoxical phrases. Though they're opposite in statement, they become both true when it's viewed 
in the temporal light or viewed in an eternal light. Verse 9 says, as unknown and yet well-known. That sounds kind of crazy, doesn't it? Ever feel like you are nothing in this world? Sometimes you feel so small and so insignificant. We went up to Danny and Patty's uh, church yesterday. <laughs> and, you know, of course, we're looking at a building project. I looked at that building. Man, is that nice. Man, it's got great classrooms. I mean, oh, just open. It's wonderful. It's got a gym in it. I mean, makes... If I let it, it'll make me feel <laughs> kind of small in what we're trying to achieve. We can feel small as unknown. But in the light of eternity, you are known of God as well as anyone else. You are special. You are as important, you are as great as any other person. Unknown, yet well known. And it says, as dying, and behold, we live. As we deny the pleasures of this world for the sake of Christ, as the world's light, we appear as dull and dead to the world. So what do you do with your life? Well, I go to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, we got Wednesday services, and then sometimes we do this and sometimes... You know what the world says? Boring! dead but under the light of eternity we are renewed in the spirit and that's where our true life is a satisfying life and eternal life as dying and behold we live and then it says as chastened and not killed chastening is the correction of a loving father killed is the judgment of sin and condemnation of those who choose not to believe in verse 10 as sorrowful yet always rejoicing. As I talked with a certain unsaved person that I know, he recognizes life as an unexplainable series of ups and downs. He's, he's right in his eyes, in the light of the world. I mean, if you read the book of Ecclesiastes, it'll show you that. His goal is in constant pursuit of happiness, but happiness is not constant. It ebbs and flows with circumstances. But in the light of eternity, it says, even in sorrow to the Christian, there is always comfort and joy available to us. Happiness is fleeting under the light of this world, but joy is a constant under God's light. As poor, yet making many rich. You know, the world identifies a great life, and some churches go to the health and wealth gospel, that the greatest life is by what they have in health and wealth, what they can gather and what glory they can receive from it. The Christian identifies his life, if that's you, by what they can give to others for the glory of God. Philippians 2.4 says, Look, not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others, which may very well lead us to the last as statement, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. In the light of the world, we may be viewed as having nothing. 
lot of you probably considered in this world on the poverty level. But in the light of eternity, we possess everything. We are rich and heir of everything. Revelation 21.7, He that overcometh shall inherit all things, who, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Having nothing, and yet possessing all things. We are seated right now in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. We know those things. But it's tough, isn't it? Even men of the Bible <sighs> fell into that trap of seeing what's in front of them and getting discouraged. But we have all things. Their life is going to be, it's gone. It's like the grass, it'll, it'll be gone. Now let's look at the rest of the chapter here. O ye Corinthians, our mouth is open to you, our heart is enlarged. Ye are not straightened in us, but ye are straightened in your own bowels. Now, for a recompense in the same, I speak as unto my children, be ye also enlarged. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? Hey, you better teach your kids that. We got religious things trying to blend all that together and we're losing our children because of it. Separation is big. Faith and living for that which is beyond is what living for Christ is all about. It says, and what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you and will be a father unto you and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So what will be the fruit of your lips like Damar, when you are given an audience that is hanging on to your words because of the difficulty of the proof of your ministry. What would be the first words to the nation whose ears are longing to hear, whose hearts are tender to hear your first words? I suppose it will be the fruit of you living by grace in its fullness or living it in its vanity. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I'd like for you to give it time to think about this. You know, what is our life all about? <laughs> we get off. Is it only about the reputation of Jesus Christ to a world? And you're willing to do whatever you need to do, suffer whatever you need to suffer, that you might have that opportunity to speak for Christ. Folks, if you haven't trusted Christ, this is, this is none of yours to speak with. Your life is this life. I pray that you would trust Him today.
but in all things, approving ourselves in the ministers as the ministers of God. In much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings. The buys, by pureness, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report as deceivers and yet true, as unknown the asses and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. Are we ready to live the life of Christ? He is worthy. We will be his sons and daughters. Amen. I hope God spoke to you this morning, though get so far away sometimes we forget what we're here for as Christians may you've renewed that now not tomorrow not think about it if he's revealed it agree with him he'll help you let's pray father again thank you for your gracious thank you for being so patient with us you're so rich in mercy. I don't know how many times I just thank you for your mercy. You're ready to forgive. You're ready to make things right in an instant. May we be that kind of people. May we prove our ministry. We have the ministry of reconciliation. We are to be in Christ's stead reconcilers, people to God. Is that what we are about? Father, help us to draw closer to that. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed.